0: Middle East heat wave, these Israeli fitness fanatics are competing in a marathon cycle contest right outside Jerusalem's ancient Jaffa Gate. They're pedaling furiously day and night to win prizes. Well, here at the Jerusalem Channel, we're also pedaling as fast as we can, figuratively speaking, to keep up with the ever expanding demand to watch our video teachings about the Holy Land. Israel and Prophecy, and the Hebrew roots of our faith. With our recently added free mobile app, viewers around the world can watch and listen on their mobile phones and tablets. But all this video streaming comes at a price, whether you're talking about megabytes, gigabytes, or even terabytes, to provide high-quality video to a global audience. That's why we need your help to meet a challenge of $30,000 With that goal, we plan to expand into several new video streams, specializing in topics that will be a blessing to you. So please help us to run the race with your gift. Just click the donate button on our website to give by credit or debit card, or write to us at Box 2768, Stanton, Virginia, zip code 24402, where American donors can receive a tax-deductible acknowledgement. And in the U.K., we can claim gift aid on your donation. Send it to Box 109, Hereford, HR4, 9XR, England. Thanks for being a part of the Jerusalem Channel outreach. The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. Our generation is inundated as never before with media, images, and words. But how do you sort the fake from the truth? That's a big concern in today's world when it comes to discerning news from propaganda. But an even more serious and eternal matter is how to separate the truth of the gospel from the lies, distortions, and deceptions of what the Bible calls false teachers. That's why Jesus cautioned to watch out for these false prophets. He warned us to beware. They come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. Well, those wolves are out there, and you need to know how to recognize them. Hello. I'm Christine Darg. In the New Testament, we're repeatedly warned that false Christs, pseudo-messiahs, will present themselves as God's anointed ones, but they'll be self-centered phonies, liars, and even con artists, as dangerous as wolves are to a flock of defenseless sheep. When Jesus warned us, they come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves, I always assumed that meant that they were wolves disguising themselves as lambs. And there are all sorts of illustrations of wolves wearing sheepskins that illustrate this misconception. But I learned that the expression, sheep's clothing, meant a wool garment, the kind of cloak worn by a shepherd in Bible times. What Jesus was saying is that a false prophet doesn't come disguised as a mere sheep, but he'll be disguised as a shepherd. He infiltrates your fellowships to set himself up as a shepherd of the sheep, and yet he's a ravening wolf who'll rip and tear apart the vulnerable lambs. That's why they're so dangerous and why the Bible repeatedly warns to be on guard against false prophets. Well, unfortunately, there is a big market for false prophets because too many people prefer their titillating teachings to the reality of truth. Jesus looked into the future to his second coming and said, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and didn't we in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then he said, I will tell them plainly, Depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Jesus predicted many false prophets will rise and deceive many. Peddlers of error constantly infiltrate churches and the media with destructive teachings by feeding people with what they want to hear and with the phony junk food philosophy they crave. The Apostle John instructed us in the New Testament constantly to test the spirits. He said, test them to see if they've come from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Do their teachings line up with this Word of God? However, here's the real danger. If you don't know this word from cover to cover in the first place, then you are much more vulnerable to deception. The Apostle Paul used the same idiom of bloodthirsty wolves in Acts chapter 20. Paul foresaw that after his departure, voracious wolves would infiltrate congregations, not sparing the flock. Paul said greedy men would arise even from within fellowships to draw away the disciples of the Lord unto themselves, and they would accomplish this by speaking perverse things. That word perverse means twisted, distorted, corrupt teachings. So we see that false prophets are exceedingly selfish and unbalanced, bringing divisions and seeking especially to attract their own followings with an emphasis upon their names rather than the Lord. Jesus was also speaking to our generation when he warned his disciples in advance, saying, Be on your guard against men, because I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves therefore he said be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves in matthew 24 the disciples came to jesus on the mount of olives and asked him what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age now i want you to notice that jesus didn't rebuke the disciples for inquiring about end time signs quite the opposite Jesus rebuked the religious leaders of his day for being ignorant of the signs of the times, signs that they should have known and recognized from their own Hebrew scriptures. Now it's even more urgent to understand the times and to know the biblical end-time signs, such as the rebirth of the nation of Israel and the recapture of Jerusalem by the Jewish people. All these milestones were clearly predicted in the Bible. But the very first sign that Jesus cataloged was the sign of many false prophets who will appear and deceive many. So watch out that no one deceives you. He said these pseudo-messiahs will produce great signs and wonders to mislead, if it were possible, even God's elect, God's own people those who've exchanged the truth for a lie, they will be deceived. Well, any Bible-believing believer ought instantly to be able to spot some obvious false prophets and obvious heretics who deny major doctrines of the faith. It should be obvious that the peddlers of the occult, palm readers, astrologers, psychic mediums and so forth, are false prophets because the Bible forbids such practices. If you know the Word of God, you don't need the discerning of spirits to know that crystal balls and tarot cards are condemned by God. But a bigger danger is the possibility of being deceived by the subtle cases. Those that look and sound religious, but inside they're greedy for power, money, attention and fame. They may appear to be doing God's will. They may use plenty of Bible jargon. They may talk a lot about angels and demons, but in actuality they could be ravenous wolves on the prowl. You see, many claim to speak for God. Many put a claim on God's authority and say, Thus saith the Lord, and they award themselves important sounding titles. But how can we uncover the wolves and the Jezebels? Well, in Matthew 7, the Lord said simply, You shall know them by their fruits. He asked, Do men gather grapes from thorns or figs from thistles? Even so, he said, Every good tree bears good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. The false prophets may have even good-looking physical fruits, such as impressive statistics, buildings, and big projects. But what about the fruit fruit? of their lives? What about their character? Have they been faithful to one spouse? Or are they serial adulterers? Do they rob widows and orphans? Do they rule well over their households? Do they teach the full counsel of God? Or do they promote pet doctrines and social trends that contradict this Word of God? Jesus warned, not everyone, that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. So this is a subject that we all have to grapple with. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul mentioned false apostles and deceitful workers who transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. You see, Paul had firsthand experience in opposition from religious imposters. In his lifetime, he endured people who usurped, who preached Messiah out of envy and mixed motives. But Paul said we shouldn't be shocked by false apostles. They'll always be around because Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, Paul said, Satan's emissaries can appear to be ministers of righteousness when they infiltrate the church. The wheat and the tares are often mixed together. But we can cry out to the Lord to endow us with the gift of the discerning of spirits to enable us to sense when a person is of God and not of God. You see, if you're walking daily with the Lord, the Holy Spirit will warn you not to become involved with a certain person or organization. It's not your business to judge them before the time, but you can avoid getting mixed up with them because the Lord knows everything and gives you inside information. And if you're spirit-filled, listen to the checks and the alarms that go off in your spirit because the Holy Spirit is never wrong. Sometimes you may even feel a chill because the Holy Spirit knows if there's a wolf present. There'll be a witness in your spirit to steer clear. I've been saved on a number of occasions from getting involved with false teachers by listening to the Lord's warnings. But if we're loving, generous, and merciful believers, sometimes we can be deceived by a false prophet and get burned. For sure, they'll make merchandise of you. I think most of the Lord's true servants go through the school of hard knocks. But we can learn a lot about false prophets from the warnings and teachings of the apostle Peter because he received a special commission from the Lord to watch over the flock of God. You see, to his shame and heartache, Peter had denied the Lord three times. But after the resurrection, he was Recommissioned by Jesus. Jesus turned Peter the fisherman into Peter a shepherd. In John 21, three times Jesus said to Peter, Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. So the Apostle Peter was called to be a shepherd of God's flock. Let's go to the second epistle of Peter over in the New Testament to see the apostles' predictions and to hear his protective heart as a true shepherd. In chapter 2 of Second Peter, Peter gives a scathing assessment of false teachers and warned that damnable destructive heresies would secretly creep into the church. He said that many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, Peter said, these teachers will take advantage of you with fabricated stories. He outlined the characteristics of these lying preachers as having eyes full of adultery. And he said they have a heart trained in greed. Now the word trained here in the Greek is the same word from which we get gymnasium. So he's saying that these false teachers are well exercised in greed. They are so debased that they succumb to evil even in the daytime. Consumed with lust, they are unable to wait even for the cover of darkness. Time and time again, some false prophet is exposed and there will be a whole string of abusive sexual relationships. So Peter spared no punches and said that false prophets are also full of pride. They are brazen and arrogant. Specifically, and this is a big alarm bell, false prophets, he said, can be identified because they don't understand divine protocol. They're always, as it were, boasting and beating their chest arrogantly, shouting at the devil. Now, in 2 Peter, verses 10 to 12, there are some interesting verses because I've had the privilege for years of leading prayer meetings, and I've seen this. Peter says that these false shepherds are bold and arrogant because they're not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap such abuse. But Peter said these people blaspheme in matters that they don't understand. According to Bible commentaries, he was referring to the practice of mocking evil fallen angels, demons. Peter says these false teachers don't tremble when they revile angelic majesties. But he noted that even the good angels, who are far more glorious and stronger than we are, don't dare to blaspheme fallen supernatural beings. Instead, the false prophets behave like brute animals, scoffing at things that they don't understand. Interestingly, though. One chapter power-packed epistle of Jude in the New Testament teaches the same warning. In verse 9, Jude pointed out that Michael the archangel didn't dare to bring a railing accusation against Satan when they were disputing over the body of Moses. Rather, Michael said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you. But the false prophets are presumptuous and arrogant. They daringly ridicule and mock fallen angels. By doing this, they demonstrate that they don't understand divine decorum. They know no restraint. In railing against the powers and the principalities, they can draw enemy fire against themselves. Shaking their fists at the devil and pretending to stomp on demons is an ignorant and presumptuous display. Yes, Satan has been defeated for eternity, but in the meantime, While you and I are in boot camp, Jesus called Satan the temporary God of this world. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul outlined a satanic hierarchy, principalities, powers, and rulers. So the Bible teaches that we're to avoid mockery of the angelic realms. On the one hand, of course, we're not to fear Satan because Jesus has conquered him legally at the cross. And we're protected by the blood of Jesus. Yet on the other hand, the Bible teaches that it's a foolish presumption for an individual to challenge the principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. If not even Michael brought a reviling, and that word means blasphemous judgment against Satan, we shouldn't either. Rather, Michael said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Now, the Bible is able to interpret the Bible, and this principle of spiritual warfare etiquette is found also in Zechariah chapter 3, where Joshua, the high priest, was standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan was also there to accuse him. But the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Now, that's proper spiritual protocol. So, if you see somebody behaving in a frivolous manner, for example, waving plastic swords at the devil in prayer meetings, withdraw from such foolishness. The best defense against presumptuous false teachers is to thoroughly know, as I said, these scriptures. Know the spirit of truth versus the spirit of error. It's interesting also that the writings of both Peter and Jude compared false prophets in the churches to the prophet Balaam in the Hebrew Scriptures. Balaam, in the book of Numbers, was a prototype for greedy false prophets. In 2 Peter 2.15, the apostle said the false prophets have left the straight path and they have wandered off to follow in the way of Balaam, who loved the wages of wickedness. In the book of Numbers, there's no doubt that Balaam possessed a genuine prophetic gift. He was in touch with God. But King Balak wanted to hire Balaam to curse Israel. And God warned Balaam not to do it. God says you can't curse what God has blessed. But instead, tragically, Balaam became a byword for the love of money. So he connived a way to try to get Israel to sin, so that God would have to judge Israel. And you see, that's the way false prophets work. They twist things, but they bring about their own destruction. God, in his mercy, tried to deliver Balaam from the error of his ways. When the Lord opened the mouth of Balaam's donkey, Balaam heard a human voice rebuking him and trying to stop him for the willful direction in which he was headed. The angel was seen by the donkey, but not even by Balaam. Like Balaam, the apostle Peter said that all false prophets are doomed and are as useless as dried up springs or a mist blown away by the wind, and we should flee from these worthless and unscrupulous so-called teachers and prophets who fleece the sheep for personal gain. Well, in Second Peter 2, the Apostle Peter doesn't cut them any slack. He continues rebuking false prophets, describing them as stains and blemishes on our fellowship meals. The word stain means filthy spots, and blemish is literally a scab or a defect. Peter is saying that these false teachers are like sicknesses and diseases in our midst. They entice unstable souls into the errors of their ways, and they pollute those who are not grounded in the Word and in the ways of God. These wolves prey on the weak and on the immature. That's why we have to know God and be strong in order to do the real exploits of the Lord, as Daniel 11.32 says. Now, having said all of this, the end times call for even more diligence and knowing the Word of God because special lying wonders are going to accompany the prophesied world ruler known as the Antichrist and his false prophet. The apostle Paul foretold in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 that the power of Satan will accompany the lawless man of sin. That was Paul's description of the Antichrist. He will deceive the masses with lying wonders The mesmerism of Hitler over the masses will seem sophomoric by comparison. The source of his wonder-working activity will be Satan. Of that, the Bible is very clear. There will be much more at work than human depravity because of satanic possession of the Antichrist. Always a counterfeiter, Satan will try to imitate the atmosphere of the Lord's miracles and power. Some of the commentaries note that his miracles won't be genuine because they will not be accomplished by divine power. They will be startling tricks to delude those who are perishing and who have rejected truth in exchange for a lie. However, I believe there's also the real possibility of a supernatural quality to these lying wonders because, after all, Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. We're living in a time of unprecedented false prophets, not only because of media overload of images and all sorts of messages bombarding us constantly, but because these are the last days and as indicated by God's timepiece, the nation of Israel. Revelation chapter 13 gives us a cameo of the final false prophet. He'll lead the nations into the final form of a one-world religion. And in the end, it will result in the worship of the Antichrist in his image. There'll be a counterfeit false trinity. In the language of the book of Revelation, this satanic trinity will consist of the dragon, Satan, the Antichrist, and his false prophet. The false prophet will promote the worship of the Antichrist. And we know that these are the last days because God is faithfully restoring the nation of Israel just as he said he would do in the last days before the return of King Messiah, Jesus. In the prophecies of the Bible, God promised the regathering of the Jewish people to their own land in the last days. He will regather them not only to fulfill his covenant promises to the Jewish nation, but also in order to sanctify his own name through their salvation and deliverance. All Israel shall be saved. In Ezekiel 20, God says, When I bring you home from exile, I will display my holiness through you as all the nations watch. Then when I've brought you home to the land I promise to give you on a solemn oath, you will know that I am the Lord. If Israel's physical and spiritual restoration is happening now, what sort of watchman should we be? Our intercessory prayer life should be on guard and full of power. But if you're not sure of your salvation, how can you be ready when Jesus returns? It's so important not to delay your surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. So that when he comes, he appears as your bridegroom and savior and not as your judge. I want to remind you that you can't save yourself and the church, the Pope, a guru can't save you. Only the savior, Jesus, Yeshua is his Hebrew name. Only he is sanctioned by God to save you. This is because the Bible clearly teaches in Romans ten nine that if you will declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I urge you to call upon him while there is yet time. In Acts chapter 2, we see another portrait of the apostle Peter who was commissioned by the Lord to be a true shepherd of the sheep. And Peter's solemn word was, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, for the forgiveness of your sins. And he said, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit because the promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off. That's you and me. The promise is for all whom the Lord, our God, will call. Is he calling you? I believe in this broadcast he is. And with many other words, Peter warned and pleaded with the people saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And I say the same thing now. Be sure you're saved from this corrupt generation in the name of Jesus. He is the true one and the only shepherd of our souls. He is the good shepherd of the sheep. In the meantime, I invite you to stay in touch if you have any questions and to connect through our social media and through our website at exploits.tv where you can click on mine to receive our electronic newsletter, Exploits, and where all of our videos are available free for viewing 24-7. And details of our prayer convocations in Israel are also posted at our website. And now you can download our free Jerusalem Channel app to watch our videos on your mobile phones or tablets. Our app offers also daily Bible readings as well as details of our upcoming events. And so until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Darn, Maranatha. Shalom.